Audio. Filmmaker Joanna Hogg and singer-songwriter Anna Calvi connect for a conversation about mutual appreciation, similarities in their complementing crafts, and the beauty of leaving space for creative serendipity. Their kinship is now immortalized on screen in The Souvenir Part 2, the critically acclaimed follow-up to Joanna's semi-autobiographical 2019 film The Souvenir. The conversation starts with Anna, recounting the time she discovered Joanna's work by watching her 2013 film, Exhibition. I had seen um, Exhibition and I totally loved it. I was like completely obsessed with it. And actually, interestingly, the sound design on that film was really like nothing I'd heard before. Is is the kind of film that I that I want to watch over and over again, and then I think it was someone from my record label during around the time of the the souvenir, and we met up quite a few times, didn't we? Had kind of creative, just hanging out kind of meetings. We got to know each other a bit that way. Yeah, and I'd maybe not at the same time, but you know, you you watch exhibition. And then I saw you perform Lady Grinning Soul, not live, unfortunately. I would have loved to have been there, but I saw the recording from the Albert Hall of you performing um, that Bowie track. And I was so struck by your presence. And it was the way you performed that and just your whole energy. I just find it incredibly exciting, your, your live performance at the Albert Hall for that tribute to Bowie. And from there, I explored your music and just got really excited about a possible collaboration. This was before we even met or I even knew it would be possible to collaborate in any way. But I, I, I find that sometimes with my best collaborations, I, I don't know, I just sort of get excited and I have my own sort of thoughts and then and then it kind of goes from there. Anyway, anyway it was so great that you also had liked um, exhibition and anyway it was a mutual appreciation mm. thing yeah <laughs> I was just really struck by the the level of detail that you would go into creating the script and the story and it really felt like you you were a novelist and because I read you don't have scripts exactly but you know it's kind of like a description of of what's going to happen in the film and it really felt like reading um, a, a novel and, and in, a, in such a beautiful way. And I, I found that really interesting because it's the first time that I've experienced being part of a, a film in any kind of way. I think I've been spoiled, really, <laughs> by the level of beauty and detail that you put into it is really incredible. I mean, I could kind of just read what you had done and that in itself is such a beautiful piece of work, even without the actual film. I don't know what it's like, but I, I find it hard to imagine that there are that many director writers that, that have that in their in their just the written page. Oh, that's so nice to hear because I I feel when I'm writing, it is almost like a separate art form. Mm. And and if it didn't become a film, well it would be disappointing in a way. Mm. But also there is I get so much satisfaction out of that that process which is just on my own I'm not working with anyone else I'm not having to compromise any of my ideas Mm. and it does feel like writing a novel or maybe a novella because it's not that long Mm. but it it, it's I I, yeah I I enjoy the detail that goes into that Mm. and that detail 
when I'm shooting it just yeah becomes something else so so it is something yeah it is a, a creative act on its own and it's really nice that you you know you appreciate it in that way it's interesting that it doesn't lose any of that detail when it becomes a film it still has that that kind of that sense of intimacy and 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 real kind of attention to to the small things as well as the large things um that you managed to get when you've written it it seems to still hold on to that I mean is that a difficult thing to do or because because I was lucky enough to kind of have be on set for Souvenir 2 to do the the music video and I was really interested in watching you allow people to kind of improvise and and you you know you weren't kind of controlling in a way where it felt oppressive it just felt like you had complete control to allow this beautiful thing to happen and I wonder what it was like to kind of find that balance when you know exactly what you want, but at the same time you want to let it bloom on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a challenge that, but I think because I've written something quite detailed, sort of quite dense and detailed, it maybe allows, and it's how you're describing reading the document, it allows other, my other collaborators behind and in front of the camera they can use their imagination in that document somehow. The, 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 the writing isn't, doesn't constrain them, but it is a sort of jumping off point into another creative process, which is the shooting of the film. And so it casts some kind of spell on everybody maybe. But then, uh, yes, I don't want people to take everything that I've written literally, and they don't seem to because I don't write enough for them to be able to do that. I don't know, there's some <laughs> translation of one object to another and and that allows people to bring their own imaginations and their own ideas into it because I'm not afraid of other people's ideas. I love the collaborative process. So mm. it just there's something about just creating the right energy, I think, that 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 gives people give like yourself when we did the pop video, hopefully space to find your own way in there. And so you have the richness of everyone's journeys, but with a with a with a with a a map, you know, yeah. of where to go, something like that. I mean, what I loved about that experience of being in the pop video was the way this kind of Russian doll feeling of it's a filming people making a pop video, but we actually are making a music video. And I found that so fun and so exciting. And I mean, what is exciting about it for me is there's a, you know, when you're, you're a kid and you have these kind of make-believe worlds and they feel so real and, and it's so fun to kind of, well, this is what my child was like, always about kind of imagining worlds. And I really loved that feeling of, of always like being a child again and, and kind of an imaginary character. And it was completely different from how I imagine when there's a, a script and, and actors have lines that they know they have to say. And like that idea doesn't kind of really inspire or interest me personally, you know, but um, improvising is something, I suppose, as a musician, I, in a different way, I do a lot of that, of being in the moment and allowing whatever you feel to just happen and, and that everything's not set in stone. Each time you play, it can be slightly different and depending on your mood, depending on the audience. And I, I didn't know that you could get that free feeling in when making a movie, so that was quite an eye-opener to me and... I imagine quite specific to your particular way of making films. Very much and very essential. And I think I was drawn to your work because I could sense that 
improvisatory quality to what you did and just the energy you put into a performance. So I think that was something I definitely liked about what you were doing, even if I was hearing a song, you know, all of it produced and finished, but the sense that you were exploring ideas in your work. And I, and I suppose I'd try and find like-minded co-creators yeah, when I'm working. It's very important to find people working on my films who are not going to sort of fight that risk-taking in a way because one is sort mm-hmm. of taking risks and yeah you're, you don't know exactly how something's going to end up sometimes I think people like to work in a way that they sort of want to know where they're going and I positively don't want to know where I'm going mm-hmm. um, I want to go on that adventure and, 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 and sort of see what happens not in any kind of vague way because of course one's got a plan but I, you know I know I saw that about your work and I, I think it's maybe nice to mention that when um, I asked you to work on the music at the end of part one I just thought that was so exciting the way that happened and Mm. and that you because I can't remember exactly the stage I guess I'd finished editing the film and then asked you to look at it and we decided together didn't we that you would watch it for the first time and create the music for the end of the film having literally just watched the film on your own and and you responded to it musically which is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think it's um, very much about instinct and that that moment where you feel something for the first time, you can never replay that moment. It's like it's there once and then it will never come back again. And so it's capturing that was such a, a kind of interesting thing for me of watching the film and how it made me feel the end when she these doors open and there's this kind of sense of huge wide space and, and possibility and it's such a kind of moving moment and I had my guitar on me and I just pressed record and just what you hear is what I felt it doesn't always happen that you can capture that that first moment of uh, emotion and reaction to something and I'm really glad that I did I think it translates. It really does. And I don't watch my films after I finish them, but quite often I have to do a Q&A at the end of the films. So I always catch the, the end oh, right. credit. <laughs> so I've listened to that piece many more times than I've watched the film. And I, but I never tire of it. And it always gives me goosebumps because it's so deeply felt. And that way of working, I, that, yes, that idea you were talking about, about not wasting that emotion that one feels after hearing something or responding to something for the first time. I guess that's my kind of whole ethos in a way Mm. when shooting a film. I don't like to rehearse. Mm. I don't want the actors or my performers in front of the camera to to try anything out unless I've got the camera running. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss that first go, even if that first go of a take is chaotic and, uh, not exactly what I want you know sometimes you want that chaos or you know mm. and then other times you sort of sculpt it and so you use a later take but I, I I don't want to miss that opportunity to capture something when we're all grappling our way through something it's so funny because that's so similar to um something that happens when you record music that you know the first moments are when you kind of still figuring out what you're doing and there's a, a lack of self-consciousness that, you know, sometimes that's where the magic is and you can get a kind of more polished performance, but it often never is as good as kind of those first moments. And it's interesting to me that that could be 
something present in both film and music. I would love to have more opportunities with you to capture, you know, moments like that. The moment of responding and instinct. I feel like that's the juxtaposition that like where where we can meet and it can something really magical can happen. I would really love that and I really enjoyed all the conversations we had along the journey, um, especially when we were doing part two, and I, I'd be really excited to do more as well. Yeah. How does it feel um, to, to kind of see your films with, with music? Does it feel different from like, the earlier films? Yes, I know. I mean, I'm liking it more and more. And I think with my first films, I just didn't want to use music in any kind of predictable way or in any way that influences how you feel when you're watching the film. I was very aware of that and not wanting to use it in any kind of manipulative way because it's so powerful. An image on its own and the different possibilities of what music can go with that image. I mean, it can completely sort of drown an image or it can support it. I suppose I'm interested in using music in unexpected places, not always to support the story or not in an obvious way anyway. So anyway, I think I was very aware of that manipulative power it has and so yeah. I thought, okay, I'll keep away from it. I won't have any music. I won't take that risk of unbalancing what I'm trying to do. And then gradually, yes, I, I, I've sort of enjoyed using it more and more. But I, I'm still aware of this incredible power it has. And if it's used in the wrong way, it can really take away rather than add to what you're doing. I see so many films where I think, oh, it's just a bit too much incidental music it's, it's drowning the film if they just taken music away or i mean i i'd be such an interesting thing to sort of re-edit a well-known film and take out the music yeah, or yeah. i mean it's just incredibly powerful yeah that's true <laughs> it's funny it kind of in a funny way it reminds me of i have this thing about the bass guitar right? because basically my first two albums i when i was playing live and stuff i didn't have a bass guitar and so i was kind yeah. of fascinated with this instrument because i never I never used it, but I was also very um, suspicious of it. Because the thing is with music is it's a bit similar. Like when you don't have bass guitar and music, it feels like the music can go anywhere. It's very ethereal. And you put a bass in there and it grounds everything and it makes everything very like, this is what it should be. And yeah, I, very certain or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So whenever I was, I was like, oh no, turn it down, turn it down. And, you know, I just kind of never really trusted it because I like the idea of it of the music feeling as if it can still go anywhere like it still has potential to go in all possible directions and I don't want it to be anchored and I've, I've had this kind of love-hate relationship with <laughs> bass guitar of like I want you but I don't want you and ah oh. <laughs> I, I don't know and it slightly reminds me of what you're saying about how the music kind of anchors the emotion and Sometimes you kind of, you don't want that. I really get what you mean, because it's also reminding me of, because uh, I'm sound mixing at the moment, a new film, and it's a ghost film. And we're using, we're creating a lot of wind sounds and sometimes winds using voice. And we've experienced the same thing, Jovan and I, Jovan being my sound designer, of making this, because it's also a ghost story, wanting it to be really ethereal. And, and if suddenly there's any kind of bass note there, it's too heavy. It sort of pulls it down to earth. So we're trying mm. to sort of keep it in the in the air. Yeah, just a lot of a lot of wind sounds, but creating wind sounds also through. We've got a bit of flute. We're using Bartok again in the uh, soundtrack. But yeah. Anyway, I completely recognise what you're saying. 
I think that's for me the pull of making things is to find that place of giving the listener what they want but not completely giving it so that there's a room for a kind of neediness or a want a wanting from the listener and um yeah not not giving everything on a plate like that's how I the music that I respond to and also the films that I respond to are, are ones where there has to be a sense of mystery otherwise I'm not really interested I don't want to be spoon-fed I really feel that your your work has that kind of there's a, there's always a mystery there that you're you're suggesting but you're not you're not making us as the audience feel dumbed down in any way yeah I hope not and hope the audience aren't too frustrated either because I yeah I find yeah I don't want them to get too seduced and yeah sometimes if one carries a piece of music on for too long it's sort of you know, as an audience you just sort of get carried away with that bit of music and then it's harder to sort of bring them back into the story. To me both the souvenir films are kind of about letting go of any kind of shackles and exploring herself fully in all possible ways and that and that, that is something that I suppose I was trying to get across in in Hunter this feeling of being able to to be the fullest version of yourself including the ugly the ugliness the, the, the beauty just but just everything and, and not feeling restrained in any way and kind of facing um in a very primal way one's kind of desires and um, sexuality and fearlessness and so in a way uh, I can see uh, a similarity I suppose it, it's it's done in a different way but there is something similar about the intent I guess. Beyond what we've been saying about the process because I think the more we talk about it Anna and I our work and the way we approach our work the more similarities I can see. And I think the idea of exploring sexuality, that's something that I begin to do in the souvenirs, but I want to do more of in a way without sounding too general about it. But I, I feel, and as album hunter, I really, I really related to in many ways. And my character of Julie is very much grappling with her sexuality she starts off at the beginning of part one as quite androgynous in the way that she wants to appear to the world. And then, and then she meets Anthony and she's sort of in a way forced into this sort of very feminine shape. I feel she becomes like a sort of Hitchcock heroine in a way. And then when she's, when she's broken free of that, she goes back to what she feels more comfortable with, which is a more androgynous kind of way of presenting herself. I'm really interested in that. I mean, I'm really interested in how now there are many different shapes that we can take that weren't available in a way in the 1980s or weren't, or, 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 or to a young woman like myself, it, there weren't, it didn't seem like there were many options of ways to be. The way things are now and these different shapes, I, I, I would, if I would, 20 again I'd feel quite excited by that I think I might be presenting myself in a very different way like I say I feel like I've just sort of dipped my toe into exploring those ideas in the souvenir and maybe who knows what 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 the next piece of work will bring I think it's it's just great when you do a video and you feel that you can kind of express what you want and what you need with the director and 
you know, it's funny. Sometimes I've, in the past, I've found the videos that I have the least creative input into are the ones that end up being the best. And I, I actually really like the idea that, because it's very easy to feel like authenticity it has to be exactly something that's come from my head. Otherwise, somehow the sense of the music is going to get lost. And I like, I really like the fact that that's not actually true. If you have a work strong enough, you can give it to other people to then interpret and it doesn't lose any of its potency. And um, so that's what I enjoy about music videos is collaboration, yes, but also trusting someone else's vision that they're going to do something with your music that you wouldn't necessarily have thought of before. They're, they're, they're interesting in that either it's an art form for the director or it's an art form for getting across the very specific thing that a performer has and trying to capture it. And I feel like it can work very well both ways. And I think it's always about trying to decide what you're trying to do. Are you trying to sort of showcase the magnetism of the artist or are you trying to create an alternative universe just for the song to exist in? Yeah, I mean, maybe the most successful video is something that has a bit of both of those. Yeah, I haven't made a music video for a long time apart from the video that Anna and I did in part two and that was a lot of fun. It reminded me how much I enjoyed it in the late 1980s when I made a few pop videos and, and actually when I started making them then I always approached it like I was uh, making a, a little film and also I'd just come out of film school so that was my first opportunity to be creative in a professional situation and always put a lot into the videos and it's interesting and I hearing you speak about yeah the different ways of approaching it as, as a performance or as a sort of alternate world mm. in which the the song sits I think probably at that time when I left film school I was more interested in the latter I was more interested in creating a, a, a miniature film mm. that's not always a good idea but um at that point I don't know what it's like making music videos now but at that point you, as a as the director of one of them, you had complete creative freedom. So you really could do what you wanted, although in the end it did have to get the approval of the music, the music company, <laughs> um, the record company. But um, I think my interest in, in pop videos back then and still now when I think about it was, yeah, sort of somehow a combination of a sort of fashion aesthetic, but obviously also, yeah, the music and, and the performance. I wondered what it was like, um, like, d did you notice a difference with um, uh, Anna um, this time compared to last time, like, because she was a bit older and um, did it change the way that she, she approached being the character? I was kind of wondering about that, whether you noticed a difference of just natural maturity or, or was it kind of exactly the same? It was different because there were uh, a couple of years in between in which Anna went to Africa for about eight months or anyway, she went to Africa, had had an experience working as a volunteer mm. uh, there. And so, she, you know, we both had a lot of life experience in that time in between. And she knew so much more coming back to uh, making a film with the first one. She didn't even see that document I had written, she she really worked in the dark in a way, other than what was in front of her. She was responding to 
what was happening to her. And then with part two, with that knowledge of making part one, she was, yeah, I think she was able to sort of shape the journey more actively. She was, she was more, you know, she was more involved. We had more discussions because I was revealing much more to her with the first one. I hadn't wanted to reveal too much because I wanted her to sort of be reacting in situations. And this Mm -hmm. time I wanted her to be, but you have more agency in what what happened and more knowledge. So it was, yeah, it was, it, it felt quite different, I think. Crack audio.